seven seconds. Now, Keontae Johnson drives the ball, goes inside, kicks it to Nimhart, out front for a three ball. It's good! It's good! It's good! Oh, man! Andrew Nimhart is in a three ball at the top of the arc, and the Gators take the lead, 76-73, and one second to play in the game. How oh, man! How oh, man! Seven seconds. Now, Keontae Johnson... All right, everybody, thanks to IMG Radio for the audio. Uh, Mick Hubert's call of the game-winning shot by Andrew Nimhard that likely, likely sends the Florida Gators into the NCAA tournament. I'm Neil Blackman. This is the Florida Basketball Hour. Eric Fawcett and I are going to break it down. Uh, Florida with a huge come-from-behind victory, uh, You know, just an immense win for the program. They will face the winner of number 22 Auburn in South Carolina tomorrow in the conference semifinal first appearance in the SEC semifinals for the program since um, the uh, class of Scotty Wilbekin, Will You Get, Patrick Young, and Casey Prather um, graced the Odom floor and went 21-0 in, confer- 21-0 in conference play. So we hope you enjoy the show. Um, please subscribe on iTunes. Give us a heart on Spotify. Write us a review. Give us some recommendations. Send us listener questions. We really appreciate all of that. Thanks for making our first season of Florida Basketball Hour um, a special one, even if it hasn't been uh, the easiest year on the basketball court. Hey, everybody. I'm Neil Blackman. Welcome to the Florida Basketball Hour. I'm with Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com, who has just written his quick take rap at Gator Country. Be sure to check out all his work. Uh, the Gators probably punched their ticket to the NCAA tournament today with a thrilling um, win over, come from behind win over LSU, knocked the one seed out of the SEC tournament. They win the game. We're going to start with the moment when it felt like Florida was going to lose maybe yet another close game or be forced to play a third overtime with a team with far more talent or at least more talent in my view. Um, what happened on, on the play where Nas Reed buries the three to tie it, Eric, and your thoughts on the game after that? <laughs> so, yeah, that, that certain play, <laughs> I mean, uh, the one thing you probably didn't want to give up there is, uh, is an open three. And, uh, what happened is LSU just ran a pretty, a pretty <laughs> basic action to free up Nas Reed as a, as a shooter. And, uh, I, I think that Florida with the, the way that they kind of were matching up, just kind of keeping their guards at the top. And uh, and not just like not matching to Pravarius Hayes on on um, on Nasri just kind of start things off for Keontae Johnson. It just kind of put him in a situation where where guards who um, are used to maybe just making that making switches up at the top, uh, yeah, they were guarding this pick and pop action, a very basic uh, very basic action in basketball to to get a, to get the screener as to be an open shooter. And Nasri obviously got an open three, and as you mentioned, Nasri very good at basketball, uh, drilled it. So uh, I, I just I, I'm not really sure what happened there. Um, it was not a. It wasn't a, a veiled action whatsoever. I, I honestly thought that their their set was probably just to um, to do a pick and pop right away, just to kind of see if it's there, and if not, run a secondary action to try to get a quick two. I don't think they were necessarily looking for the three to uh, to tie, but Florida gave it right to them, and they uh, they hit it. So uh, very glad that I, obviously Andrew Nemhart was able to um, to hit that three to uh, to win it because uh, yeah, if this is another overtime game, like you said, against a team that's. Uh, I would say more talented than the Gators um, uh, that we might have a, you know, we might be talking about that play for a lot longer, but I'm glad they bounced back. 
Yeah, I mean, look, they, I think you're right because they set a secondary – they set the second screen, right? I mean, it wasn't – the second screen made the shot. So, LSU had anticipated that Florida would defend that, and when you coach that, you know, you tell your guys to switch everything, right? Um, and, you know, Florida – Nimhard follows the screen action and, and Reed hits the jumper. So, LSU did exactly what Eric said. Uh, but the three pointer was there, and yeah, I mean Nasrud's really good at basketball. It was funny because, like you know, I don't know if basketball games can have foreshadowing. That's a key question for for like an off season pod. If like they function like movies and can have foreshadowing or not, but I feel like there was a moment early in the game where people got mad at Keontae Johnson for like a hard closeout on Nasrud, where he then drove the lane. And they end up getting a bucket at the rim, too, because Nasrud's good at basketball. And it was kind of like, you you have to close out on Nasrud because he shots. Yeah, he's just an excellent offensive player. Like, his ability to uh, to just hit shots <laughs> with his feet standing still or attack closeouts is, is incredible. Um, uh, defensively, he can move his feet so well. I mean, uh, there's a couple times Keontae Johnson was able to turn the corner on him. Um, but Keontae Johnson is an excellent basketball player, we are now learning. Um, but I mean, Nasri just like, he, he looks just so massive and muscular, but like, man, he's quick and he can put the ball on the floor. And um, yeah, I, I really don't think that allowing him to shoot a pick and pop three in that situation was what Florida wanted to give up. But I mean, at the same time, it was, it was an obvious action that, uh, that Florida just slept on. So maybe they were, maybe they thought, Hey, like, let's, let's see if, uh, let's see if he misses it. And, and if so, that might be the game. But uh, yeah, I thought they were, I thought they were gambling a little bit if that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, I kind of thought bad timeout actually, because I felt like, uh, um, I felt like maybe they. It's one of those. What's it's hard. It's easy for Eric and I to say in hindsight, I guess. But and the other thing is that Tremont Waters can just bury you from twenty eight feet, as we saw in the first half. So you know, so much of it was probably make sure you defend Waters right, and it's like, oh well, they've got this other guy who's going to be a top ten draft pick, but. So it's a difficult thing. But the Gators respond. Um, Eric kind of take us through the take us through the final play, one that uh probably sends the Gators to the NCAA tournament. Well, the first thing I thought that was uh was definitely interesting. Well, a little bit interesting, a little bit not. Um let's talk about the fact that obviously LSU doesn't have their, their regular coach on the sideline. Uh not necessarily something that uh you know it's it's all it's really tough to quantify coaching a lot of times. So um you know, I'm, I'm not really sure how many like points you, you make that worth. Uh, but what does LSU do? They come out in the one three one zone. Um, something that Florida has seen multiple times from LSU in these close. Oh, games. can I stop you there yeah. just really quick? Yeah. Just to add the context. Cause I want Eric to continue. So I've done telling the SEC media that, well, uh, I think it's Tony is his name came out in the one three one zone and we had seen that a bunch so we told our players to do x continue yeah that is a great point and i think that they i really do think that they were ready for that because it didn't because you know usually and obviously florida hit that three against the one three one zone when jalen hudson hit it back in uh, the previous meeting and uh part of it was they they had to kind of figure out you know you kind of expect man defense you go and you see one through one it takes an adjustment period um, you kind of get to spots, then you run a play. Uh, as soon as they saw one through one from, from LSU, they got right to their spots. And uh, yeah, so just the, the way that Florida kind of has seen that and was kind of ready to, ready to 
go against that action to get to spots and and run a play. And just something that I also thought was quite funny, uh, just something that you and me talked about on the last podcast, uh, something just about fundamental basketball, about not leaving your feet on closeouts unnecessarily. So uh, what what happens for LSU is uh, the ball gets kind of swung to the corner, some part that uh, that's a little bit vulnerable in these one three one zones, and it's Keontae Johnson, and Marlon Taylor, who's at the bottom of that zone, runs out and takes a two footed leap, expecting a jump shot from from, from Kavarius Hayes or sorry Keontae Johnson. Um, so yeah, just uh, so the pump fake, Marlon Taylor goes flying towards the bench. Um, he kind of gets to the middle of that zone, just totally distorts the zone for. Uh, uh, for LSU, and uh, that made uh, kind of Tremont Waters fall back towards him at the middle of the floor. That left Andrew Demhart wide open, and uh, yeah, we know what happened. So uh, I just think a really good job by Mike White. Obviously, I think he prepared his guys for that zone, and just a really good job by Keontae Johnson to get the ball under control, uh, draw help. He had, I mean, when you watch the play again, and I'm watching it loop on Twitter right now as I'm talking, just to see that, <laughs> just to see that the pump fake gets uh, get Marlon Taylor in the air. He goes, um, Naz Reed has to step up to him. He's kind of the middle defender. And then you have both top guys from the wing, Tremont Waters, and I can't quite see who the other one is. So there's, there's Marlon Taylor is currently at the Gators bench from that closeout. And there's Skyler three, Mays. Skyler Mays. Skyler Mays is there. Skyler Mays and Tremont Waters are just there surrounding Keontae Johnson. And he's got multiple options to kick it out to. He chose Nemhart and uh, he chose right. Yeah, uh, he chose Nimhard, and the other thing he didn't do, which would have been tempting to do, and which it's hard as coaches, you just have to trust your players to be disciplined enough in that situation because the time is running low. Um, he didn't force anything at Nasri just because one guy left his feet and he had numbers moving to the rim, did he? No. And, and I think, you know, the tempting thing is the way he'd been playing would be, you know, let me take this to the basket. Worst case scenario, I get fouled. Now, that's been a worst case scenario for Keontae at the SEC tournament for some reason, <laughs> as there's like a, a lid on the rim. And remember, in SEC play at one point, he had made like 15 of 16, in, you know, so I don't know what's going on there. But uh, a sensational play by a player who had a second double-double at the SEC tournament who the staff didn't trust to play more in December. I mean, what an exceptional story. Uh, of, of development. I mean, what I don't want to, it's impossible in a, in a podcast, you know, I imagine it's more of a column subject, but like the short version of what you think has changed. Well, honestly, I just think he brings a skill to the Gators that they just don't really have from a lot of other players. And that's some, the, the ability to attack a closeout and get in the rim, get to the rim against pretty much anyone, because if he's got a bigger guy on him. Like let's talk Naz Reed. Um, he can get by him, and I mean that's also Nazarene, who I think moves his feet as good as any other six. Like it could be the best lateral moving six foot eleven guy in the in the country. And then if he's got a smaller player on him, he can just kind of protect the ball with his shoulders, his wide shoulders, and get to the hoop. And he he has a bit of just um, you know he's obviously got that massive leaping ability to get rebounds, but he also just has a knack for the ball. And something I think that he does just really well is um, he just kind of. For example, if, if a three-point shot is coming from the left 45, let's say, um, you know, Keontae Johnson does, if he's on the left side of the floor, the same side of the sh- uh, floor that that shot is coming up from, he doesn't turn towards the rim and wait to see if the ball magically finds him. He runs to the opposite side of the hoop because that's probably statistically where the ball is going to come off the rim. And he's just got that kind of yeah. innate, 
just a, a ability to just kind of read like where the ball is coming off the rim. And it just seems like he is always in the mix, even when he doesn't get the rebounds. And, you know, like you're talking about just what, how, how good of a story Keontae Johnson is like, you know, like I, you might, you can laugh at me and just say, I'm totally overreacting, but like, you know, if there was a pickup game that was to be played tomorrow with all the Gators and it was uh, team Blackman versus team Fawcett and you and me are drafting players schoolyard style. And if I somehow had the first pick, I mean, I might be taking Keontae Johnson. I might be taking him over Andrew Nemhart, over Kayvon Allen, over anyone else, just because of what he can bring on both sides. I mean, it's weird because if someone is like, is Keontae Johnson the best player on the Gators right now? The the visceral response would be like, oh, like, I, I don't quite think that. But it's also like, man, like, if I'm picking teams right now and <laughs> my squad's going against your squad, I think I want Keontae Johnson first. Uh, I mean, I think it's getting harder and harder to argue that when you go 20 and 12 versus one of the hottest teams in the league, which Arkansas was. And then you go 16 and 10 when you're undersized against, you know, a team that, that came into the tournament thinking that, you know, the, uh, the pot, it was possible at least that they could be either the top two seed in the lowest one seeds bracket or, or maybe one seed, but a lot of things would have. Um, but I think they certainly felt like they were playing for a high two seed on the seed line. And, you know, to do that in that game against that front court. And really, I, I didn't think he played particularly well in the first half, which should lead us to the discussion of, you know, another ragged first half of the Gators. It really was. I think it just took a big, a big kind of adjustment getting used to just the pure – size and length and athleticism that LSU has. And I, I thought that they kind of, uh, they didn't space the floor quite as well in the first half as they did in the second. And it just allowed, um, it allowed a lot of players for LSU to just kind of stay uh, with one foot in the paint. And when you've got all these guys with length, um, when they can all kind of have a foot in the paint, I mean, it just seemed like if they were could just stretch out their arms side to side, um, they'd all be a fingertip to fingertip. And now it's like, hey, <laughs> Kayvon Allen, try to uh, make something happen off the dribble against that. I, I mean, that's really tough. Uh, there was an element of just shots not falling, too, which is like, you know, kind of a – It was like two – it was like two ten offensively in the first half. It was like the first – I felt like the first ten, Florida was really out of rhythm and took bad shots. But Florida missed a lot of shots. That, that were just open looks, and they just they just kind of spilled out, and and Jalen Hudson as well, and even Andrew Nembhard had some good some good looks that just didn't fall. So there, there's part of that. I mean, I think they were two two for fifteen at the half, and there were some tough looks at the end of you know the clock. But at the same time, there's kind of an element of like, do you think a team's going to keep shooting two for fifteen in in the second half? Um, you know, maybe, but it's more likely they'll. Uh, they'll bring that percentage up a little bit. And, and I think that happened. And um, that was kind of just uh, one of those things too. It wasn't like in the second half, Florida was putting up points, but it certainly wasn't like they were, um, it wasn't like they were hitting some ridiculous contested shots or anything. It was, uh, uh, you, they were, they were getting the same looks and they were falling. I mean, look at that. Look at the shot. Andrew Demhard gets to win, to win the basketball game. It wasn't like, you know, they got a, a late closeout that was at least, kind of there but I mean they were they were generating open looks and they got some points at the rim that were easy and um and Kavarius Hayes is suddenly drilling mid-range jump shots and uh yeah things were things were just taken and I know that LSU isn't uh isn't a super elite um isn't a super elite uh defensive (laughs) Uh oh. oh sorry do you hear me 
I got society. you now. That's okay. But yeah, not so, a super elite defensive team, really. Yeah. yeah, not an elite defensive team, but I mean, to put 51 points on them, especially in a game that was played at that pace, um, that, was, uh, that was just really impressive. And um, I thought that even though there was a few kind of sheer feats of uh, kind of athleticism on the defensive end from LSU to, uh, to block a few shots and, uh, and kind of clog the lane on, um, on a couple drives, you probably thought they're going to get to the hoop. I mean, Florida still got a lot of good looks and scored 51 points on, on some really good percentages. Yeah, I thought a big moment in the game was, you know, oddly Jalen Hudson getting a three to fall at the end of the first half. He was just a different player in the second half. <laughs> yeah, that was that, he definitely played different. I mean, I'm just I was laughing. Totally unsurprising, by the way, that that like one basket changes his entire you know mentality. I mean, if, if there's anything consistent about Jalen Hudson, it's that. Right, and I mean, can you imagine if? Let's talk about that play at the, with you know where he almost uh, he almost won the ball. You know if the possession arrow was going the other way, I mean his play on that Tremont Waters uh, roll ball probably right. wins the game for the Gators. And I was just laughing because I was thinking about that play. I mean, like let's be real, anyone who reads my stuff or listens to this podcast knows that. I mean, I've not been easy on on Jalen Hudson. There's <laughs> there's no question. Um, but I mean, like wow, in that moment, I was I was proud of Jalen Hudson, man. Uh, I thought that just showed. Uh, yeah, that just showed kind of a level of effort that um, I, I think that often, honestly, like I don't, I don't really knock his effort a lot of the times. I honestly think he just um, maybe doesn't always think the game at, at, at the level that kind of allows his effort to, to shine in positive ways. Um, but yeah, just in that moment, yeah. just the, the timing um, against a player like Tremont Waters is uh, it was just brilliant. And uh, obviously uh, he had some shots that kind of, kind of spilled out, but I also thought he obviously, uh, he also made some, uh, some pretty winning plays, including that one. Yeah. I would really say the other thing he did was hit free throws, um, which I've always felt like his jump shots broken, but his free throw stroke really isn't. And I like, because some guys just can't shoot free throws. They just don't have really the stroke or it's flat. I mean, I don't – like, mechanically, Jalen's looks like it should go in more, and I, I honestly think it's focused sometimes. Because you notice in these bigger games, especially down the stretch of the season, like, he's been really good at the free throw line. He, he has, and that's big, just because, uh, obviously, um, when he's attacking the floor, he puts some uh, – or attacking the rim, I mean, he puts some pressure on the officials at – uh, there's, there's, you know, when he was kind of shooting his low sixties or high fifties earlier in the year that, uh, those can kind of be deflating when, when Florida's kind of going on a run and he, he misses one or two free throws. So, uh, I do think that really changes things. Florida used timeouts to kind of quell LSU's momentum, um, in just kind of the emotional intensity that they came out with. You could tell from a lot of the camera shots, LSU was fired up to play. And then Florida switched a ton of defenses. They switched zones. Um, you know, they had, they had played so much man-to-man with, with switches, and, and Florida really changed things up. And uh, that, that frustrated LSU enough to get two segments where the Gators got extended stops. Yeah, and those were just ones that they desperately needed. And just uh, something to, for everyone, just to be reminded of just looking at this Florida win and obviously the fact that Florida has beat them before and, and just uh, played really well against them, even in a loss was just that LSU is just so good. So good offensively. I, I really like the stuff they run. Um, as we mentioned, Nazarene is incredible. Um, and just like, I mean, some of those Nazarene buckets where he got his own rebound off a missed layup and just dunked it in like that. That's just ridiculous athleticism to get up that easily <laughs> on the, uh, on the second jump. But, uh, yeah, I did think Florida played really well. And I think it kind of started with 
with playing a little bit of that three, two zone and, and just kind of some of those matchup zones that kept Andrew Nemhard up at the top. Uh, something you and me have talked about, Neil, is just how sometimes Florida has gotten caught in some of these switching defenses where guys like Nazareth have been able to feast on Andrew Nemhard and that's, uh, or, or Kayvon Allen and just, uh, some of the guards like that. And that's just, that's a tough role for Noah Locke to get switched on to guys like that. So uh, I thought playing the zone that kind of kept Keontae Johnson and, and Kavarius Hayes on, on the bigs of LSU worked really well. Um, really good job by both of those guys to stay out of foul trouble. Uh, that was obviously really big. It's something that I know you all, you, you mentioned lots, just how Florida needs those guys to be on the floor defensively. And uh, yeah, even, uh, even though that there was that stretch in the first half where I think that, you know, they're, they're just getting to the rim at will. Uh, I thought that Florida obviously defended well enough to win in the second half. Yeah. And Florida mentioned 51 points in that type of possession game is really efficient offense. But the other thing that the Gators did, um, to, to kind of do that, that I felt like was the coaching staff was, I mean, they really went at the LSU players that were in foul trouble and it's pretty clear that they were instructed to do so. I think so. And, uh, yeah, just another really good coaching adjustment. And I thought that, uh, obviously, um, people know that you and me are Mike White supporters, but I, I do hope for people that, uh, that are maybe not so high on Mike White, they kind of see some of those things that were, were done by white, whether it was in-game adjustments or preparation. Um, you, you know, you look at just uh, just kind of the, the defense and offense that came with the second half was both uh, uh, worked really well and, and effectively. And um, I know he was coaching against uh, someone who was an interim coach, but, uh, but I mean, I definitely think that, uh, that Coach White um, did really well, and I think he needs to be commended for it. Yeah, and I mean, look, we're not – I think one thing we're definitely – I mean, we've criticized – how they came out of a timeout and defended the play where Nasri hit the three, right? I mean, there, there are flaws and things that the staff has to improve in a lot of ways to overcome a double digit lead against a team that is as explosive offensively as LSU is, is really outstanding. And, and obviously I think the coaches deserve um, quite a bit of credit for, for what happened. Um, so the, the, you know, we don't, know who Florida will play in the semifinal. We do know it's the first time that they've advanced to the SEC tournament semifinal since they won uh, in 2014 when they made the final four. Uh, It'll be South Carolina or it'll be Auburn. Um, You know, thoughts on which one of those teams, you know, maybe you'd rather play. And then we'll dive into them a little bit as a preliminary five-minute scout <laughs> yeah yeah we won't spend too much time on it just in case we're totally wrong but uh yeah for people to know uh, right right now <laughs> it's the half uh, auburn and south carolina are tied at 36 i've been watching it while i've been recording but um yeah i definitely don't want to play auburn <laughs> i'm terrified i'm terrified of that matchup the the way that that game uh that game went uh the, when they matched up i just thought that those guards from auburn just dominated florida um uh, just so shifty um the way they're able to shoot the three um, that that really concerns me. And though uh, South Carolina is playing some good basketball of late, obviously there's a there's a reason they did so well uh, in the SEC. That to finish kind of at the top side of the of the bracket is pretty impressive for them. Um, but definitely that Auburn game, uh, that that I, I just cannot uh, I, I can't get that out of my head. Uh, just the way that Jared Harper and Bryce Brown were just able to just dominate Florida's guards off the bounce. That's pretty concerning to me. And um, especially in these kind of uh, tournament scenarios with quick turnarounds, trying to keep those guys in front will be a challenge. And uh, I just think I'd trust Florida's ability to, um, to play against uh, Chris Silva and some kind of playing through the bigs of South Carolina. Um, I trust Florida's ability to defend that a lot more than I trust their ability to defend Auburn. 
Yeah, I mean, look, uh, the Gators turned LSU over 13 times today. Florida took really good care of the ball. And, in fact, the Gators only had one turnover in the final, which you think about what the score was at halftime and how much worse the game could have been. Uh, you know, there's an argument that Florida's ability to get stops uh, kind of <laughs> helped them is, is a big reason that they won today. Uh, first half stops, even though, as Eric mentioned, you know, it seemed like LSU could get to the paint, into the paint at Florida, you know, had a four-minute stretch where LSU didn't make a field goal. Probably helps them win the game. It's so hard to do that against Auburn. Um, so, you know, I, 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 look, what do we, what do we talk about on this show a couple weeks ago? In the right before the three-game losing streak, we said that when you look at Florida's draw in the NCAA tournament, look at the other team's guards. Are they really good? Do they turn the ball over much? And if the answer to those questions is yes and no in that order, Florida's got a problem. And that's why I don't want to play Auburn either. Yeah, and talking about turnovers, um, uh, I just was looking at that that Auburn's Ken Palm profile, and uh, this definitely backs up the eye test, but they're the number one team in in defensive turnover percentage. So they force turnovers a ton. Um, They force turnovers at 25.1%. So, yeah, one out of every four um, possessions they're defending, uh, they are like they are turning the other team over and that's a ridiculous ridiculous number so um that that definitely concerns me for again a florida team that has started to have some uh, some turnover problems at times though they took care of the ball pretty well today um other than of course Kayvon allen's um signature turned the ball over against the press late in a tight game and uh jalen hudson decided to do that as well but you know after he didn't do that uh yeah that came on allen was back to his own ways of uh turning the ball over against the press in a clutch but um, and I, and I'm just so glad they oh won. My gosh. We, can, we can laugh about it, but but yeah, just also can we can we talk about? I mean, if we're gonna hit him for that, we've got to get him the plaudits for stealing that rebound away. Absolutely, and uh, oh man, Kevin on had one of the nicest takes of the of his season to me. Um, kind of down the stretch too, where he he used the pick and roll, and he did this. Uh, some people call it different things. I, I would say like a half bounce. Um, Steph Curry's like the best of this but kind of coming off a screen and roll with a ball and t- taking kind of a crab dribble backwards to make the big that's, if the big is kind of switching out or hedging to make him take a step towards you. And at that very moment that they step towards you, you take off towards the rim. So their momentum is going away from the rim. If you can catch them uh, doing that, then you can go right to the rim. And that's what he did. And it was excellent. And the best I've seen him attack out of a pick and roll all season. And uh, hopefully that's uh, something he can do a little bit going forward. But um, yeah, he had, so he had some good moments there for sure. And uh, um one other ridiculous play, not Kayvon Allen, but do you have any thoughts on uh, Florida's six-point play that could have been almost a seven-point play? Well, I, you know what, and I'm glad we brought that up because, like, if we didn't bring that up, it would be malpractice to not <laughs> bring that up in, in, this pod, in this podcast. So, yeah, Florida's down three. Florida had fought all the way back to take the lead at 58-57. The Gators go down three, and then, uh, you know, kind of a crazy sequence where – uh, Keontae Johnson hits a three, and there's a foul uh, trying to run through a, a, a Kavari's his screen, and pretty much simultaneously, by rule, I thought it was the right call. Yeah. What did you I, I don't know. I, I didn't. I, I thought it was pretty generous in Florida's favor. Um, All right. I thought that, yeah, I thought that. Um, yeah, I mean, by the by, the very action of of him running, like I, like I think he made contact before 
almost before the the ball got to Keontae Johnson, um, and because because okay. that's when Keontae Johnson was able to you know see oh Nasreed is hung up on a screen I can shoot, and he gave just a little bit of like almost a pump fake, and then he saw Kavarius Hayes going down, saw that uh, Nasreed wasn't going to get to him, and then he kind of pulled it and, and shot. So, um, I mean, it, I, I I don't think that it should have been a foul, or sorry, I think it should have been a foul call. I don't think they should have counted the bucket. Um, but obviously, uh, I, and I, I mean, I can see why uh, the LSU bench was hot, but um, I'm obviously very happy because, uh, I mean, when you can get a six-point play, that's, uh, that's pretty wild with the technical. Well, and I'll say this. As the interim coach, you can't get a technical mm, right there. Yeah. I, you know, it's just not okay. Um, and, and that's another reason I tweeted out, if you're an LSU fan, this loss is on Will Wade. And, yeah, I felt like that was a pretty fair take. And, and you know, if you listen to us, you know we're not – hot take central station. So uh, that was kind of a quick take hot take, but I felt like a fair one. Well, I mean, I, like, you know, I've said lots, I mean, and you've said the same thing. We think Will Wade's an excellent coach. And I mean, this is a one possession game. And I, I, I think that uh, Will Wade's coaching might've been worth a possession worth of points to them. Um, and then you add, like, I mean, you even add in the, uh, the one three, one zone that he, that they threw in. That um, that Florida was totally prepared for. I'm not sure if going to one through one was the best decision for LSU in that situation because uh, when you play one through one zone, you've got to be ready to scramble and recover. And uh, it, right. on the final possession of the game, I, I don't think you want to scramble and recover. That's just not really what you want to do in a one shot situation. Um, you're probably looking to play a little more straight up in my mind. And it's one thing if you do it what what Will Wade did. Um, in earlier matchups to surprise the Gators. I think that was really smart when they hadn't played one through one all game and then you throw it out. But I mean, you know, third meeting, uh, third meeting that have all been close games. And I think both teams have probably seen a whole lot of the uh, late game playbook from each other. Uh, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure that was even the best decision. So I, I, I would totally agree with your take that, uh, yeah, if I'm a, yeah, I mean, if I'm an LSU fan, I think I got a whole lot of problems right now. But uh, one of them is, uh, I certainly would be, uh, one of them would be this game. Right, right. You're you're probably moving on from this L pretty quickly, given the the maelstrom of issues swirling around your program. But uh, you know, today Will Wade kind of you know probably cost his team a, a trip to the SEC semifinals in a year where um, you know they certainly had a chance to win this tournament. Uh, so now Florida will. Uh, move forward and play either Auburn or South Carolina, as we talked about. Another reason that, you know, I kind of like the South Carolina second time, and I guess it's be careful what you wish for, but is our, is our longstanding discussion of, of Florida's ability to play people a second time um, with this coaching staff, especially somebody like South Carolina who has some warts. And, you know, obviously I think the Gators will remember what happened on their home floor. Yeah, that was a tough one. I, I don't think that was well officiated. I mean, I think officiating has <laughs> got to be, I, I'm really not one to really get after officiating in these games. It's got to be pretty egregious. And um, yeah, just kind of for, for Silva to get away with some, some just major hooks on the offensive end and for the hook and holds to not go Florida's way. Um, it, it took, you know, Florida did not play very good basketball, but they still should have won. And, and uh, there's some tough calls that kind of took them out of it. But, but yeah, South Carolina, there's a team that's uh, just kind of, um, I, I always think that it's a little bit easier to scheme against really good big men versus um, kind of scheming against really good guards. And I would say that's uh, pretty funny when we look at Auburn, a team with um, really, really good guards. And then you've got a really good big man in South Carolina with, uh, with Silva. And uh, you kind of say like, Hey, what would you want? And if I'm the Gators, I think I'd rather try to uh, try my luck uh, playing against Silva in South Carolina. 
So let's let's do one more question. And I actually had one. Speaking of officials, I didn't think they were very good today. Although I did, I did think that I, maybe I just really wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt and need to watch it again. Like I thought they got that that play right, but but I thought that they also, even if they didn't get that right, I'm okay with the way that that worked out. I suppose because I really felt they let Tremont Waters defend any way he wanted today. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> And, like, if I had been Mike White, you know, I would have just probably lost my cool. And it's a credit to this Florida staff that uh, – and Mike was visibly hot on TV, but – at least for him, by his standards. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty ridiculous in the first half what, what Waters was able to get away yeah, with. Yeah, I mean, just the, the way that he was – just had two hands on Andrew Nemhart the entire time. Like, there's really not wiggle room within, <laughs> the, within the structure of the rule book for that to be allowed. And um, that's one thing that uh, – Okay, oh, I don't know if we want to talk about this. We probably shouldn't. But, um, you know, Tremont Waters getting on the all-defensive team for the SEC. I mean, he... he not the best defender Not the best team. defender on his team. And tonight was just an indication of, you know, his steal numbers are great and he gets some steals. But a lot of the reason why is because, one, I'm pretty sure that officials see guys that are sub six feet and kind of let them get away with hand checks that no one else could. And um, also the fact that he's got <laughs> such good defenders around him and such good big men is that he just gambles and gambles and gambles. And he was just wrapping Andrew Demhart with two hands around the back, trying to uh, dig out the ball. And uh, he just did it all game and, and, and never got called for it. And, and yeah, I don't know. I know you can't call every hand check in the game of basketball because everyone would be fouled out. Um, but I would say putting two hands on a guard when he's driving um, or trying to spin him so you can get to the basketball with two hands. I mean, that's uh, that's got to be called. And um, I, yeah, I don't think that was well officiated at all. So last one, if Florida gets Auburn, um, and you know, this would be a cool hypothetical to put at the end of the podcast, cause you can just end the podcast if, if it's South Carolina, but you know, Isaiah Stokes plays two minutes today, gets dunked on and, and gives up a layup and, you know, runs back to the bench, just can't play in these types of games. A game he could play in, in my opinion, is Auburn. What's your thought on that? Because he wasn't really game ready when Florida got blown out against them last time. Yeah, that's an interesting point. He adds an element of, uh, of obviously, to Florida's offense if they use him. And, well, and that's just kind of the thing is that I, I honestly think if Isaiah Stokes is on the floor – um, you've got to go to him every single time. Like he just can't be out there as as a role guy who, um, you know, sits in the sits in the dunker spot on the baseline and then tries to get back on defense and defend there. I mean, if he's in the game, um, you, you know, if he's got Anthony Mclemore on him, I think that like, hey, you might like that matchup for him to go one on one, or or even you know, Horace Spencer's pretty strong, but I mean, he's not he doesn't have a ton of length on on Stokes, and um, I would I wouldn't mind seeing some of those matchups and. Um, Chumo Kiki, even if you can get him on the block, uh, why not? I just think that, again... Yeah, I kind of like that one, actually. I like that one a lot. Yeah, I just think that, uh, yeah, why not try it out? And, uh, I mean, the one thing about some of these guys on, uh, like a Chumo Kiki, for example, he's a really good three-point shooter, and he a lot of the sets, he is just a kind of floor spacer. So even if you get that matchup of uh, of Isaiah Stokes on, on a Chumo Kiki defensively, I mean, it, if you kind of say, like, hey, like you're not helping off, you don't have to do these big rotations... Maybe you can hide him a little bit. Um, it would be tough, but I, I think that Isaiah Stokes is a guy that, that's worth kind of rolling out, see if a matchup works for him. But yeah, if he's on the floor, I just, I just think you've got to use him. I don't know how you feel about that, but I just, I just feel like he's got to be a central figure for his few minutes he's on the floor, see if he can draw a foul or two, see if he can drop in a, a couple layups at the rim and, uh, and kind of go from there. 
Yeah, that's kind of my thought on it is yeah, absolutely he needs to be used. It's why we mentioned, I think you mentioned yesterday, something we talked about that he can hit three-point shots. Maybe you pick and pop him just to give it a different wrinkle, um, you know, and, and let him know that he's he's free to fire it away. The other reason I do it tomorrow, and, and I, you know, I think the reason I brought it up is, so third game, it'll be the third game in as many days. And the thing about third game in third three days is sometimes legs go a little bit. And so your jump shots end up short. And so, like, teams that rely heavily on the three-point shot, like Florida and Auburn, um, you know, it can get a little ragged. You can, you can miss a lot of shots. And so offensive rebounding becomes a big deal, which Stokes doesn't help you with. But what also becomes a big deal is just the ability to get something inside, to get easier baskets and, like, put pressure on Auburn to play into the defense, which, you know, we saw that, you know, they've had trouble this year when, when, they've, when it's been demanded of them. Maybe Florida can do that and kind of buy some minutes uh, to, to rest their guards. Hey, speaking of just legs going, um, something interesting to watch will be, uh, like you said, third, well, I guess it would be Auburn's second game or they got be, the bye, but no, it'll be Auburn's third. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I uh, just, uh, <laughs> the fact that they, uh, uh, like they're, so they're 43rd in pace and South Carolina, who is, I feel like a lot of people think they play slow is 23rd in the country in pace. So, I mean, these are two teams that both like to play really, really fast in Auburn and South Carolina and Florida is a lot more comfortable playing slow. So uh, in a game that's right. this deep into the tournament is probably going to be played at a little slower pace than Auburn or South Carolina wants. And uh, I think that's really in the favor of the Gators. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's right. So we'll see uh, in Nashville or in Eric's case down in Nashville and um, <laughs> Florida basketball wants to definitely wish uh, Eric's team in, in Canada. Good luck tonight in their, uh, in their big game in, in provincials. So hopefully that's a W and hopefully uh, Florida can figure out a way to win one more game. Win thing. And it's cool that though you'll get that opportunity to extend that, that program streak in an sec semifinal. Yeah. Can you imagine too? I mean, obviously Florida was on the bubble like two and a half hours ago. Um, and uh, obviously we think they're, they're a lot more secure right now at this LSU win. But I mean, let's say, let's say if Auburn wins and if Florida can get a win over Auburn, I mean, suddenly you're, you're saying like, Hey, could maybe could Florida get up to like a 10 seed or like, I, I know there's some things that right. have to break their way, but um, yeah, I, I just, it would be pretty interesting if Florida can get another win and, uh, and just to see what that does to the metrics and everything like, Hey, things could be pretty interesting. And uh um, I'm, again, I'm just looking at the updated uh, collegiate bass fishing rankings. And I mean, that's just one program that LSU uh, just is not swirling in controversy. So <laughs> uh, let your LSU friends know that um, with their football and basketball teams, both uh, just swirling in some issues right now that, um, you know, they've still got uh, collegiate bass fishing. There it is. Bass fishing. No word on whether or not LSU is alive in the SEC bass fishing. <laughs> you know, they're not. In the SEC basketball tournament, they've been sent home by the Florida Gators. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow.